Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Chris and welcome to my house. Um, we're gonna do things a little bit differently today as sort of evidenced by being in this bedroom. I'll share a little bit about more about that with you in just a little bit. Um, one of the interesting things about going through difficult seasons of life or going through difficult situations with other people is many times we just don't know what to say and we don't know what to do and we sort of look for the perfect thing to say and we look for the perfect thing to do, but many times there's just not the perfect thing to say or to do. And you're either gonna be in that situation or you're gonna be on the other side of that situation with friends and family trying to comfort you in those seasons. And they're not gonna know what to say or do. And it's just a little bit awkward, right? But there you are. And what we're calling those kind of situations are in the meantime seasons of life or situations and circumstances. And I heard a pastor once to sort of describe how we deal with the suffering or going through that suffering as the comfort or the connection rather of suffering that there's these interesting things that happen when we're going through suffering together. That's one of the things is that there's a natural bond between those who have suffered deeply and similarly. And you and I have probably seen this, right? You've seen this where people that have gone through something similarly and very painfully and deeply hurting to them, and they all of a sudden have this interesting connection. Like they don't know each other's names, they don't know each other's life story, but they know this one part and they both sort of experience a similar thing. And there's this sort of this instant bond. People who you may never have thought would have connected together and they find this connection through this painful suffering moment that they've gone through. And you know, as a friend or family member or, or a pastor even for my sake, like we can try to say things, but it doesn't compare to this person who's gone through something similar and they just sort of have this interesting connection that we really can't describe. And it sort of goes beyond spiritual knowledge. <laughs> it goes beyond like education and it even goes beyond our theology and what we believe about God. And there's just this instant bond that happens between those who have suffered. Another thing about the connection of suffering is that those who have suffered are really uniquely qualified to comfort those who are suffering. And again, I think we've seen this a lot, that we've seen people that, that have gone through things that are similar, and it almost seems like they're the perfect person to talk to that person who's going through something similarly. Maybe that's been you, and you realize the pain and the suffering that you've gone through, you walk into a room or you, you walk into a situation or somebody emails you or calls you and said, could you talk to that person? And you hear their story. And it seems like you are the person to talk to them because you've gone through, you understand what it's like to go through that situation. And it sort of goes beyond pastoring. It goes beyond your friendship. And many times it sort of even goes beyond how well you actually even know the person or the depth of your relationship with them. Another thing about the connection of suffering is that comfort from those who have been comforting, comforted is life-giving for those who need comfort. That really this idea of if you're able to give comfort to somebody who's suffering, it's really life-giving to the person who's going through that. That when you're going through a deep and dark place and you're, you're facing something you never would have wished for, you're not even sure how it happened, or you're not even sure if it's ever going to change, you start thinking like, am I ever going to be happy again? Is this ever going to change? And, and, and am I ever going to be like able to find purpose through any of this? If a person can find you and share some words with you and, and, and connect with you, it's really life-giving. It's, it's beyond empathy. It's beyond sympathy. And it's really even beyond the way that we use the word comfort in some ways. It's sort of galvanizing and it's energizing and it's hopeful. And, you know, as a pastor, I can look at you and say a verse or I could, you know, pray with you or I could put my hand on your back and, and just be there for you. But a person looking at you in the eye saying, look, I've gone through this and I survived and I want to share with you the reason that you can as well. And I think you can survive this as well. That's so much more powerful than even something I say as a pastor many times. There's sort of this thing about the connection of suffering. It's really it's really so much energizing and, and it's powerful and it's almost tangible in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, though, we will, most of us, go through something similar to that. We're going to sort of experience that on the bad side of things. 
But there's kind of an interesting or surprising observation about this connection of suffering as well. That comforting is life-giving to the comforter as well. That it's not just life-giving to the person receiving the comfort. It's also life-giving for the person giving the comfort. That when you, again, walk into a room or walk into a very dark place and, and you're going through a season and you can kind of come out on the other side and all of a sudden you start to realize that there could be a purpose behind this. That there could be somebody that you could help with what you're going through, that you that they faced almost something very similar to what you're going through, and you could provide some guidance, you could help lead them through that situation. The idea of providing purpose to a painful situation can be very life-giving as well. And the first time I sort of experienced this, I was just a, like a young student pastor. I was working with middle school and high school students, and, and I really didn't know a whole lot, and I hadn't experienced a whole lot. But all of a sudden, I'm sitting down with this student who start to tell me their story and they say these words that sort of instantly just brought me back. They say that they grew up without a parent. And almost instantly I was flashed back to sitting on this very bunk bed in almost this exact spot as a 14 year old, looking out and crying out to God saying, God, why is my dad not here for me right now? And I haven't had a lot of moments like this, but I've had like one or two um, where basically I really felt like God was sort of impressing on my heart that I'm gonna use this situation, I'm gonna use this experience that you've gone through to help other kids. Now, as a 14 year old, there's no way that I understood or could understand what that actually meant. But fast forward to being that student pastor, sitting with that student who told me they grew up without a, without a parent as well, I had this instant connection with them. Now, the pastor side of me could have said a prayer again, I could have said a verse, but really in that moment, the most powerful thing I could do was be in the room with them because I had this level of credibility and authority because I've gone through something very similar to what they've gone through. And I understood to a, a little extent, a very little extent, the value and sometimes the purpose behind pain and suffering in our lives. And really in this series that we've sort of been talking about these past few weeks, we've been basically answering the question, what do you do when it seems like there's nothing that you can do? What do you do when you find yourself in a season of life where there's no way forward and there's no way out of it? And really, in some ways, we're all sort of going through that season together in COVID-19. Like, it just looks around, there's nothing that we can do to really end this situation. So if you've missed any of the series, I would encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel or go to our website and watch these messages. But basically, we've said that throughout the series that this new normal includes God being present, God being concerned, and God being loving. Because sometimes we can get in these seasons and think that God is absent, God is apathetic, and God is angry at us. And that's just not the case. And then we said that we all have the option to receive this season as an opportunity with a purpose and a promise. And then the following weeks, we sort of said that we can learn to find contentment, that when everything around us is chaotic, which for many of us it is right now, the outside is chaotic, but inside we can find peace if we'll learn the secret of contentment that Christ can live inside of us and that he can empower us through that. And then we invited everyone really to take a step. And it was kind of a big step. It was a step of trusting that God can restore what is broken. And we see brokenness around us, we see brokenness inside of us, and we believe that God can restore that, especially in these seasons where there seems to be so much brokenness. And then last week we started to look at one of the purposes, and we're going to look at another one of the possible purposes of adversity in our lives. That basically we said that we, we believe that God is at work in us to mature us, that God really wants to produce and grow enduring faith in our lives if we will allow him in these difficult seasons that we're going to, that we would never choose for ourselves. And really beyond that, we're not talking about these things because I think that I have some sort of expertise or, or credibility or authority to talk about this. Really, the reason that we're talking about this is because we're all going through this sort of together. 
but it's also based on the idea that the early followers of Jesus, the people who bring us the story of Jesus, were not strangers to adversity. That their lives that they lived were not free from wrinkles, you might say. That really they went through these difficult things and, and they were still able to believe in God. That they weren't just some people that were writing and like they were dropping grapes in their mouth and they were sitting by the beach and like, what am I going to blog about today? Like they didn't have easy lives. They had very difficult lives and they had adversity on every corner they went around. And yet they chose to still believe in God and trust in Jesus. And really the reason that we take this stuff seriously is not just because some of us have experienced this and we've seen this true or ring true in our lives, but really it's based on, again, the credibility and authority of people who bring us the story of Jesus. And one of those people is a guy named Paul. Now, if you don't know about Paul, Paul is a guy who had a very difficult thing happen in his life. We don't know exactly what it was, but we do know that it was painful. It was humiliating. It was debilitating. And we find out a little bit later it was permanent. It wasn't going away. And yet we find that Paul didn't only continue to trust in God. He also encouraged those of us that we can trust him as well. And so he continues on and says that to us. So we're talking about the role of comfort in our lives and the role of comfort in the lives of those around us. And we're sort of answering the question, what do you do when there's nothing that you can do? And along with that, we've been looking at the question, why would we continue to believe in a God who allows things like what we've been experiencing these past several weeks? And we're going to look at a letter that was written by a guy named Paul in the first century to the city of Corinth. And if you don't know, Paul steps onto the pages of history as someone who hates Christians until he becomes a Christian. And then he decides he's going to take the message of Jesus to the rest of the world by planting churches outside of Israel. And in fact, really, there's some ways in which Paul, the work of Paul, is part of the reason why we're even gathered to the day celebrating Jesus today. Like, we can attribute that to Paul. Like, Paul is a big deal. But Paul writes this letter about sort of the source of comfort and the ways that we can look at comfort um, in our lives and the lives of those around us. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians, or rather, sorry, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 1. If you want to follow along in the Bible app, we'd love for you to do that. Um, you can download the Bible app and find the notes in there. We'll also have the verses on the screen or in the notes in the chat as well. So we'd love for you to follow along. Verse 3, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. And Paul says that this God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort which could be a little bit confusing, a little bit problematic, because 12 chapters later, Paul is describing this thorn that he thinks that this merciful God and source of all comfort has given him. This thing that we talked about earlier that we don't know exactly what it was, but it was very painful, it was humiliating, it was debilitating, and we find out it was permanent. Because the God and the source of all comfort, the God, the merciful Father that we have, Paul went to him and asked him to take this thing away, whatever this painful, humiliating thing was, and he chose not to take it away. He chose not to remove it, which would cause most of us to say like, well, like, wait, hold on. Like, how can I trust a God who's merciful when all these things around me seem to be not be very merciful or seem to be almost the opposite or very far from merciful? And I wonder why would he continue to allow these things in my life? And the idea of comfort that he's talking about, that Paul's talking about in Greek is really sort of an empowering empathy. It's sort of this idea that um, comfort is going to bring about courage. It's going to bring about change. Now, you and I, we hope this sort of comfort would bring about change or that we would be comforted um, so that God could help us like change our circumstances. But Paul is saying that this is the kind of, this is the God I serve, that in the midst of all the things that have happened to me, in the midst of all the things that God has allowed to happen to me and hasn't changed in my life, I continue to believe that he is a merciful father and the source of all the comfort that I have received. And I continue to, in fact, receive comfort from him in this season. And I continue to believe in that in spite of the fact that he chooses not to change circumstances in my life. And I think in some ways we all sort of wrestle with this. We wrestle with the idea of bad things happening in this world and a good God, right? We all sort of have that thing. 
But the men and the women who bring us the story of Jesus, they would see these things and they just continue to believe anyhow. They saw bad things in this world and they continue to believe in a good and a merciful God, which shows us, I think, that there is a way forward. And that the pain and the tragedy in this world does not mean that you must abandon your faith in a merciful and a good God. He continues on verse 4. He comforts us in all our troubles. And when you and I are in troubles, do you pray or do you ask God to comfort you? Like, no, none of us ask God to comfort us. We ask God to change the situation or to deal with the trouble, to take the trouble away. Like we say, like, God, I need you to like take this away. I need you to, to provide a miracle. I need you to like heal this person or heal him or her. I need to get a job. I need you to, to get in, help me to get into school. Like, I need you to do that. And, and like, we don't ask God for comfort. We pray for miracles. And we do have permission to ask for that. That's okay. But Paul says that there is a God who's the God of all comfort and all mercy. And he is the God of, in our lives, in troubles and circumstances that he changes. But he's also the God of comfort in the circumstances he chooses not to change in our lives. That, but there will be comfort in our lives in spite of the circumstances. He continues on. He says, he comforts us in all our troubles so that. And this is basically saying that there's a purpose behind his comfort, right? So let's try to guess his, his purpose, right? He comforts us so that we will be comforted. Uh, wrong. Like that's not it, right? He continues on. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can. And the idea of can is very similar to the English word of can, but basically it's basically saying that we're empowered to do something. And we hope that we're comforted so that we can have the power to change the circumstances, right? We hope that we're comforted so that we can have the power to, to just remove the circumstances or to just get out of the situation and overcome it, whatever it might be. That's not what Paul says. He says, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When we are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. That really God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort people in any of their troubles. And he comforts us so we'll be comforted, yes, but it's so much bigger than just that. That God comforts us in our troubles so that we will then have the ability and the capacity to turn around and then give that comfort to other people as well. And most of us would respond, I wish he would just change it rather than use it to comfort other people, rather than comfort us or comfort other people through us. And Paul, who loves God and believes in Jesus, believes he's the son of God, believes he's the savior of the world, all those things, Paul says that you need to understand that there are times when God is going to not deliver you from something. God is going to deliver you through something. And by delivering you through something, he's going to grow something inside of you. He's going to do something inside of you that then you can pass along to other people who are going through something very similar to what you went through. But he can't do that if you don't go through it. If he just changes it, you can't help somebody who has to go through whatever that thing is. So God comforts us to comfort others. And I sort of want us to say this together and to sort of repeat this together. So I'm going to say it one more time, and then I want you to repeat it with me wherever you're watching or listening from. He says, God comforts us to comfort others. Now repeat this with me. God comforts us to comfort others. Why does God comfort you? To comfort others. To comfort you, yes, but also to comfort others others. And then let me add a few words. God comforts us through others to comfort others. God comforts us to comfort others, and he uses other people to do that. He comforts us in other ways as well, that whatever trouble you are experiencing, the God of all comfort is going to comfort you, but he's going to comfort you so you can equip other, he can equip you to then comfort other people. Verse 5, for the more we suffer for Christ, the more we, the more God will shower us 
with his comfort through Christ. And this idea of sort of suffering for Christ is sort of, you can think about any time that you suffered in this world. Jesus has suffered something very similar to you. Jesus was hot and cold. He was alone. He was left out. He was betrayed. He was worrying about his future. And there's sort of a parallel between what we have suffered and what Jesus has suffered. In the same way, God is going to comfort you through Jesus in that way. That our capacity to comfort is determined by the degree to which we've suffered. And this is why if you've ever been in a difficult situation and, and people are trying to say the right thing and, and they're trying to like give you flowers and send you cards and they're just trying to be there for you, but you look at them and think, you just don't understand. And you're probably right, they just don't understand. But then that person walks into your life, they walk into the room, they, they have that conversation with you and you realize they get it. They understand your life and all, everything is just like completely different. And when someone who's been there and walks into your world, and, and while you're going through that difficult situation, there's just a source of strength. There's a source of comfort. There's a support that's there that you really can't get any other way. But Paul says, this is the God of all comfort, who will comfort you directly, but he will also use other people to bring comfort in your life. And the reason for the comfort, though, however, is not just so that you will be comforted. The reason that you're comforted is so that you can then turn around and comfort other people as well. So that you can go to the hospital. So you can go to the person that works next to you in the cubby or, well, used to work next to you in the cubby or, or a cubicle or whatever. But so you can go to the neighbor that lives next to you. And so you can bring them the comfort saying, don't give up. I've been where you are and God has helped me through it and God can help you through it and I want to help you as well. So your capacity and my capacity to comfort is limited really to the degree to which we've suffered. Paul continues on in verse 6, he says this, Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. To which some of us would say, like, what? What does that even mean? And if you don't know, Paul and his team were uh, kicked out of many towns. They kept getting kicked out of many towns. Um, Paul himself was stoned, and then he continued on. Um, Paul was shipwrecked many times. Um, Paul had this, like, bad eye problem, and he might have even had seizures. We're not sure exactly what he had. He had some sort of physical problem. And yet Paul says all those times that we had to ask God for perseverance, all those times we had to ask God for strength to continue on, all those things were for your benefit so that we could stand in front of you and say, don't give up hope. Don't give up your faith. He continues on, for when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. And the reason that we're receiving comfort from God is not just so that we will be comforted. The reason that we're receiving comfort for God is so that we can stand in front of you and say, you can be comforted as well. We're like eyewitnesses of the fact that you can receive the same comfort. We've seen it ourselves. Verse 7, we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort that God gives us. Now, I'm going to read through the first two verses straight through in just a moment. But before we do that, whether you're a Christian or whether you're a Jesus person or you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, I think for some of you, you need to read through these verses this week again. That you might need to go back to these verses again because for some of you, they're going to be life-giving to you. That they're going to provide an initial little glimpse into the possibility of what the purpose is that God might want to use this thing in your life. It might just be a baby step. It might just be baby step number one for you to discover why would God allow this thing in your life? Why did God not bail you out of this situation? Why did God not answer your prayer the way that you would want God to have answered your prayer? And we think that it's like faith and that God sort of designed comfort to be received and then to be passed along. And God designed faith the same way, to be received and then to sort of be passed along to others 
as well. So let me read the first two verses and then I'll wrap this up. Paul says, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can then comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So, in the meantime, while we're in this in the meantime season, comfort others with the comfort that we have received. Comfort others with the comfort we have received. And if you're not a Christian, you're not a Jesus person, again, this church is really for you. We are for you. We're glad you're here. But we want you to know that we believe in a good, compassionate God who allows non-compassionate things to happen in this world and in our lives. And we believe in him anyway, that we know those things happen and we still believe that there is a good and compassionate God. And we sort of believe that you can also be comforted by the fact that there is a good God who wants to comfort you so that then you can comfort others. Basically saying like, I wanna leverage my bad things, I wanna leverage my painful things so that I can hopefully help other people because I think I might be uniquely qualified to be that comfort in other people's lives. And I can sort of step into that situation and say, I understand what you're going through. I, I know that there is a way forward. There is life after this situation that you're going through and I wanna help lead you to that. So I wanna ask you the question that we sort of already asked. How are you using your in the meantime season? Like right now, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's something else. How are you using your in the meantime season or circumstances to comfort others? Because really, um, you might still be going through it. Um, you might be realizing that this is now your new normal as we hear a lot of times, or maybe you've gone through it a long time ago. How are you using your in the meantime circumstances to comfort other people with the comfort that you received? And really, this is one of the reasons that we think life groups are so important. And if you don't know what a life group is, we gather people in groups of five to 10 people, usually weekly. We're doing it online right now, but gather people weekly. And in those groups of people, usually people find each other who have been through similar circumstances. And it's whether it's either to receive comfort or maybe it's to give comfort. But in those groups, we've seen it happen time and time again. And all you have to do is sign up to be in a group. That's all you have to do is to get into a group. And God sort of does the rest. And it's kind of amazing. It's a little bit miraculous how we've seen it happen time and time again. Again, around the world throughout the ages, this has happened through groups of people meeting together. And God has used that. And what you want to do right now is if you want to join a group, we'd love for you to just simply click the groups button at the top of this page or go to our website, nlnc.org groups. And there you'll be able to find out, find out more about our groups, sign up for a group, and just decide that you're going to do that. Because by deciding to do that, you might start to find the very purpose and maybe the meaning behind some of the adversity that you've gone through in your life. So as we wrap up, um, in one of his other letters, Paul wrote to the people in Philippi, and he sort of gives them a promise that I think he also gives you and he gives me as well, and it's a promise I want to read to you. He says, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finished, and it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And part of the good work includes some in the meantime seasons, unfortunately. Part of that good work that God is doing in us is most likely going to include in the meantime seasons of life. And the difficulty, the adversity that you're facing didn't surprise God, though. It did surprise you, right? It did surprise all of us. And yet God is at work and will continue to be at work. And you don't need to give up hope. You don't need to give up faith. He's going to continue to work inside of you if you will allow him to do that. And regardless of whatever you face, you might be the one who's uniquely positioned now to provide comfort for someone else if you allow God to do that work inside of you. 
Because while we are all sort of in the same storm right now, we're all also in sort of different boats. Many of us are in different boats and seasons. And what you have gone through in this COVID-19 situation and other situations in your life might be exactly what somebody else has gone through as well. They might be in the same boat in the same storm as you. And you might be able to help them and deal with that situation. And God is going to continue his work in you. And he's going to do it through you. And it might be a little bit painful, but God wants to use you and comfort you so that then you can comfort other people. You just need to be willing and maybe put yourself in some positions and some situations where God can use you to comfort others. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we really do thank you so much for preserving these words from Paul. And um, many of us, maybe even all of us, to some extent, have received the comfort that has come from you and has come through other people many times. And maybe we've been the ones that someone walked in and we knew they had been where we are at that moment. And by the fact that we're still standing, by the fact that they're still standing, I should say, we knew that we could still stand as well. So Father, thank you for the men and the women who've been willing to bring their pain and bring their comfort that they've received into other people's lives. Thank you that we worship a Savior who is not a stranger to suffering and adversity. And just as he suffered for us, we have the opportunity to suffer as well, knowing that he suffers with us. So God, would you please give all of us the eyes to see and the ears to hear this situation and this message the way that you would want us to hear it and to see it? And God, for the man or the woman, the teenager, the single adult, the single mom or dad, whoever it might be that's on the edge of giving up right now, who this coronavirus has gone too far, this situation in life has gone too far, whatever it might be, that they're on the edge of walking away, they're on the edge of saying there's no point in continuing. God, I pray that you would give them the courage and the strength to trust you, even if it's just for one more day. And that you would be for that person the God of all comfort today, right now in their moment. God, we pray this all in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.